Welcome to Christ Chapel College, the college outreach of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope everyone experiences what Jesus calls abundant life. So we unapologetically point to Him as the source of life and joy. If you're a college student in the Fort Worth area, we'd be stoked to connect with you. Find out more at ChristChapelCollege.org and on Instagram at ChristChapelCollege. Good morning. Uh, my name is Francis. Uh, I'm, uh, I get the privilege of being on uh, Christ Chapel's uh, staff in the college ministry, and I find myself to be super fortunate to get this opportunity with you guys this morning to uh, walk us through uh, a piece of scripture that um, I've been milling over for like the last two to three weeks, and it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated passage, but it's honestly really good, and I'm really excited about being able to walk, walk you guys through it, and what it means, and what the author's saying, and how it ties to the Old Testament, and all this stuff. So um, with that, um, we're going to be picking up uh, in the next chapter of where we left off last week. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 4. Um, and then while you're getting there, um, we're, we love the Bible here, um, and we um, hope that you guys do too. And so if you're here this morning, if you don't have a Bible, or you're just going to use your phone, and you'd prefer to have like a physical Bible, then we have a bunch of Bibles here that we want you guys to have. They're the, the black ones that are kind of like hardback with like a black canvas on it. Um, and on your way out, just snag one of those and claim it as your own. Um, we want that to be uh, our free gift to you, and we hope that uh, it would just bless you guys immensely. So um, while you guys are there, um, I want to go ahead and uh, start this thing off by uh, bringing up an event, uh, that, an experience, really, that happened to all of us, um, every person in this room. Um, March 2020, right? March 2020, the, the point in the U.S. where the U.S. dollar was was replaced with toilet paper. Like, toilet paper became more expensive than the U.S. dollar. Um, I, so during the time of all of this kind of happening, whenever COVID was really making its kind of the, the first stages of its full swing in the U.S., um, we were on um, our uh, spring break mission trip to Belize. Shout out, Belize. Um, and uh, we were on the tail end of that trip, and it was, a, it was an awesome trip. Uh, I remember it was kind of towards the tail end, and I was walking on the beach going to um, one of the guys' houses that was right there on the beach. I walked in. I just kind of slid the door open, and I walked in just hoping, just kind of seeing, like, what was going on. Like, hey, is there a guy in here? I want to talk to him, hang out, whatever. And I catch one of, like, I didn't catch him. I just kind of walked in on this one of our guys with, like, four or five rolls of toilet paper in his arms, um, and it was the funniest thing because he was going around room to room in our little like bungalow house thing and, and raiding all the cabinets of all the spare rolls of toilet paper and putting them into his check bag um, and then putting them into his check bag, but then also putting them into his carry on because there wasn't enough room in his check bag. Um, it was a really funny sight, but um, you should have got you should have seen him whenever we did our layover. Uh, and I think it was in Houston him trying to carry his bag. It was really funny. Um, but while we were in our uh, layover in Houston, um, we all started getting uh, like phone calls and, and text messages from our friends, from our family. Like we had some people like their parents rerouting their flights to go back home because the schools were reaching out to us and emailing us saying that spring break was being extended. And we, it got extended two, three days. Um, you know, for some people it was a week um, and, you know, 
while we were in Belize, we were hearing all this kind of stuff going on, you know, like the, the, all the shelves of the store were being raided, and it was just a ghost town everywhere. You couldn't get anything. And we were in Belize saying, like, ah, you guys are freaking out. This is crazy. You, what the heck are you guys doing? This, you guys, this is going to blow over in a month, and we're going to be like, yeah, I remember that time when everybody freaked out. That was crazy, right? But obviously, that's not what happened uh, because we're here today. Um, and, uh, but I remember whenever it was happening, I was, t- I was talking to some of the students on the trip, and we were all kind of like, frankly, excited because we were like, yes, we get more days to spring break. This is great. Like, I get to go see my family. I can go see my dog. And, you know, I get to go kind of like do some other things that had nothing to do with work or school. This is great. Um, but, and, and, you know, honestly, like those were like the days that like we had like wished for in the midst of like the, probably like the craziest days, like of school, of like work, like where, where we would just say like, man, if I wish I just had a day or two to just, you know, get this done. Like, I wish I had a day or two or a week to, um, work on this project or to get out of Dodge and just to kind of like relax and just, I just, if I just had a week, I'd be good and then I'd be fine. Right? Like, I think we've all said that. I think we've all said that. I think we've all said at one point we're just at the peak of our stress, at the peak of our tiredness, at the peak of our being just completely super busy. We've always been like, man, if I just had like a day. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a father of two kids. Like, I'm starting to feel that myself more and more so every day. Um, but we've all said that. I know I've said that. But if we're, if we're going to be kind of real, whenever we get those kind of days, do we truly feel rested at the end? Like after, after we, we were like, yes, if I could just have these days or this week, then I would be fine. But we get, we got those and we do get those, but then we don't truly feel rest at the end. Why do you guys, why, why do you think that is? Personally, I think it's because we don't truly know what rest is. I don't think we know what rest, I think we think we, we uh, attribute rest to just being um, just like, more sleep, like catching up on sleep and taking cat naps and, you know, maybe like binge watching Netflix or, you know, A, B, or C. Like we think that like rest is just that sleep problem or just like unplugging from work. Like we're just too stressed out at work. But I really truly think that it's just more, it's more than that. It's not like a schedule issue. It's not like a, not like a, like a scheduling issue, but it's actually a heart issue. And I think Personally, I think we don't know what rest truly is, but then even if we do know what rest is, I think oftentimes we forget. And so um, this morning, uh, I want to I want to figure out, I think what the author is doing here is really cool because I think he highlights what rest is, or he paints a picture of what rest truly is. Because uh, in, in this passage, we're going to be uh, Hebrews chapter 1, or chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. We're going to kind of like break it up into a bunch of smaller sections because it gets kind of hairy. Um, and then we're going to look at how the author is mentioning these two different kinds of rests, um, but ultimately how they work together and, and what that means for us today so we can have a better idea of how we can rest. So let's go ahead and uh, read uh, Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who had listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, we're going to stop um, right there uh, because that was confusing. Um, I'm sure uh, a lot of you guys are kind of scratching your heads, not really knowing um, what that was. Um, and it took me a long time to kind of figure out. Um, but let me go and give a couple head nods just to kind of help us get some traction for like what the, because this is, it's only going to get more and more hairy as we go. Um, let me give us some kind of traction so that we can better understand the rest of what this scripture is talking about, what the author is saying. So let's go and stop and make a camp out on the word um, therefore. Um, I feel like whenever we see the word therefore, it's in verse one, it's the very first word in, in, in verse one. Um, and this is just a really good tip uh, whenever you're reading the Bible. Whenever you see the word therefore, ask and ask the question, what is that therefore, therefore? And I'm sure uh, we've, you've probably heard me say, I know I've said it up here once or twice, um, but honestly, reading through the rest of Hebrews, we're probably going to be saying it like a lot more because, because the author's making like a point. He's like making a case and he's, he's illustrating these things and he's using the Old Testament. So he's trying to draw these conclusions. Um, and so the word therefore is really important because it's, it's a linchpin word where it connects what the author has previously said and he's connecting it to what he is saying or what he's about to say. So let's look back uh, at uh, verse one and reread it kind of with that mindset. So therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear uh, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Um, for good news came to them just, uh, came to us just as to them, but the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who had listened. What the author is referring to here is actually what Ben had unpacked last week. Because the author is, the author last week, unfortunately we don't have time to really get into it, but Ben last week did a great job of unpacking what the Exodus account was. The Exodus, and if you hear the word Exodus and you're like, the what? Like, ex what now? The, or, or like you hear like Moses, or you hear like the Red Sea, or Pharaoh, or the Promised Land, or the Israelites, and you're just like, ah, I don't know what that means then go, I, go, go, honestly, go to our Instagram or go to our Spotify and l- go listen to that sermon from last week because Ben did a really great job and we don't have time to get into it today. But that's what the author is referring to. And he's referring to this, uh, the, the, the account and everything that was going on right there. But we see though that the author is starting to highlight, he's starting to make a notion to this first kind of rest. Um, and it's a future rest. We see it uh, in verse one. He says, the author describes it as his rest, talking about God, his rest. Um, he it says it uh, in verse three as that rest. So there's this, and, and then he goes in and back to verse one, he says, uh, a rest that we have, uh, a rest that is still for us to enter. For while the promise of entering, his rest still stands. So it's a rest that is God's, that it's there, it's not here, and it's something that we have yet to step into. So it's something that's not here with us today. Um, it's uh, something that we still have to step into. Um, the Bible describes it uh, not in totality with these only these verses, but he describes it, uh, the Bible describes it in a, in a bunch of other ways. But here is just some, some references for you to know. Um, so Luke uh, chapter 23, uh, this is Jesus saying, uh, he says, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He describes this future rest as paradise. Um, Peter writes it as, um, uh, but according to his promise, God's promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So it's a, so it's a, it's a new, it's, it has this new aspect to it. It's a new heaven. It's a new earth. Um, 
that Hebrews, so later on in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, uh, the author is going to say, for we have no lasting city, but, this, but we seek the city that is to come. So, he's ma- so the author is even saying, hey, this city that we live in right now, this world that we live in right now, will not last. Like this isn't going to be here forever. But we seek a city that is still to come, that will be permanent. Um, and then uh, again, and then so and then Revelations, this is uh, between John and uh, John and God as he's, um, as God is giving John some revelation as to what end times look like. And it said the future rest is described as a place where there is no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. This future rest sounds awesome. This future rest makes Belize sound like a Motel 6. Like, like this, this, this future rest sounds amazing. There's not going to be any more pain. Like, there's not going to be any more sorrow. It's going to be forever. It's going to be something that's going to be completely brand new. And it's going to be something that is described as paradise. That sounds awesome. But with that, though, um, there's actually, um, that's just the first kind of rest. Um, but with that, because of this first rest that we can kind of start to look at, the author begins to mention a second kind of rest uh, in uh, verses four through seven. So let's go and look at it. Uh, starting in verse seven, uh, again, he, uh, I'm sorry, uh, starting uh, in verse six, rather. Uh, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So we see that he's, he's mentioning again, um, he's mentioning again what the uh, future rest looks like, but then he's also describing this seventh day. So in verse four, for, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, that God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in the passage, he says, you shall enter my rest. Um, this is a, a really cool piece that we're, piece of scripture that we're looking at because he's referencing something that honestly we don't really talk about that often because um, later on in verse 9 of this passage, the author is actually going to describe this, uh, this, this today rest as we're looking at it. He describes it as a today rest. Um, but in verse 9, he's actually going to describe it as um, a uh, Sabbath rest. Um, and I know that you guys are all super familiar with the word Sabbath because you are all uh, practicing Jews. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's what we're here today. We're actually uh, a Jewish ministry, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, but this is, but the word Sabbath is, is uh, has a lot of rich uh, Old Testament and cultural tie to it. Um, and because what, what, the, what the author is saying here and what the Sabbath means is that it's referring back to when God created the world. It's talking about the creation narrative that, you know, the author is describing the future rest in, with Moses and kind of using Moses as, a, as an imagery. He's now using the creation narrative of how God created the world. Uh, he, he had worked for six days creating the world and different aspects of the world. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And so that's what the author is highlighting. But it's, I want to, and it was, it was to A, give us a glimpse as to uh, how, you know, what the earth's completion looked like. But I think more importantly, it gave us a better picture as to what rest truly is. Because if you think about it, uh, God, um, <laughs> God doesn't take naps. God doesn't take breaks. He doesn't get tired. 
Like after he created, he started creating the world and after six days, he didn't just stop on the sixth day being like, God, I'm gassed. No way. I can't create anymore. I'm done. I'm over it. This is fine. Like he didn't do that. He created, like the way that God works, that he is God, he is the literally only the person in the entire universe who does not need rest, which blows your mind. But in that, so then why does the author and why does Genesis describe rest as, or why does God, just, why does um, Genesis describe whenever God created the world that on the seventh day he rested? Well, because after he had worked those six days, on the seventh day, he, he gives us this glimpse of what it, we are to do. He takes a step back. And he says, wow. Look at what I've created. He, he, he basks in it. He, he enjoys the fruit of his labor. Because if you look at the, gen- this is me kind of nerding out, but if you look at whenever God is creating the world and you look at each different aspect that he's creating, he says that it is good. It is good. It is good. So it's right for a creator to after he gets done creating, he can take a step back and say, wow, this is awesome. This is, this is good. And this is the exact same kind of rest that we can have, that af- after a week long of work, after six days or however long your work period is, that at the end of the work, we can say, wow, look at what my hands have created. Look at the good, look at the good work, the good, honest work that I have done. And so we can have that kind of, that, that we can rest in that. And so, but, and, and here's, I, I put up here a bunch of other pieces of scripture. Um, I'm going to give a quick little, um, you guys should put an asterisk next to that Ezekiel passage because it's a really good passage. I really wanted to insert it into this sermon, but it was, I, I don't think I would have gone down a rabbit hole. And if you know me, I like rabbit holes. Um, I don't like rabbits, but I like rabbit holes. Um, anyway, that's good. That's weird. Um, but uh, honestly, it's a really interesting study if you get around to it. I highly suggest go look at what the Sabbath is, what it meant, what it means now, all that stuff. Um, but so let's look at all this. So we have this future rest that the author is illustrating. We have this today rest, Sabbath rest, that the author is also illustrating. And we have these two different kinds of rest. However, he begins to tie them together, and he shows that they actually connect. Look at verses uh, 8 through 10. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. This future rest that God has that we have yet to attain informs our current rest. It informs our rest that we can have today. Um, let me go ahead and, uh, let me go ahead and, and uh, put it maybe like this. So imagine your favorite movie. Favorite movie. Like it could be anything, like action, like action rom-com, um, I mean, documentaries, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, you know, horror, thriller, whatever. Any, any movie. Your favorite movie, put it in your head. Mine is, uh, one of my favorite movies is Avengers uh, Infinity War, right? I, I thought it's a great movie. I've watched Iron Man. You know, I've watched all of them all the way up until the Avengers Infinity War. 
And when I went to go see it with my buddies, I was so amped. I was so stoked. I was like, yes, like we could see all the Avengers. This is great. Except whenever, whenever they're like not fighting each other, they actually get to fight together. This is going to be great. And then I was absolutely, if you know how it ends, it, I was absolutely just distraught when it ended. Because Thanos won, like, we have been watching Marvel's movies for years and years and years and years and years, and the good guy won in every single one of them. There's a lot of movies. Marvel did a good job. DC needs to pick it up. Um, but, uh, but Thanos won. I was distraught. I remember driving home in silence and sitting in my shower crying. It was so, not really. <laughs> I was being dramatic. But I was distraught. It was great. No, like, Thanos won. Why? And that's how the movie ended. But now I go back and watch it, I'm fine. I've seen Endgame. I'm fine. I'm chilling. Why? Because I know how it ends. I know how the movie ends. And I can watch the movie knowing that, like, oh, wow, yeah, like, oh, wow, that was a cool, like, little plot twist. Or, like, oh, that's cool. I can watch it again knowing how it ends. Um, and I think the end, knowing the end doesn't ruin the movie forever, Right? Like, just because we know the end of a movie doesn't mean that we, that, or it's like, ah, we know what happens. Ugh. Maybe if it's like a movie you don't like, like, yeah, I know, I know what happens. Uh. But if it's like a good plot, you're like, yeah, this is a good movie. But, I mean, because none of us have ever, like, sat down, watched a movie for the first time, and been like, you know what? I like that movie. You know what? I'll even venture to say this. That was easily one of my favorite movies of all time. And I am never going to watch it again. We've never done that because we know that we can watch the movie over and over again knowing that it's a good movie. We can appreciate the plot and every time we watch it, we appreciate something new. That knowing the end, we can appreciate what is happening in the plot. This, is the, this goes for the exact same of what the author of Hebrews is trying to lay out. That today we can have a peace knowing the assurance of our future salvation. That we have this assurance of salvation that gives us a today rest to where we can be, everything is going to be okay. At some point, I don't know when, but at some point, everything is going to be okay. Um, let me go ahead and stop here um, because it's not lost on me that um, there may be some in here that maybe don't know what that assurance of salvation looks like or you've never heard of that. And let me talk, let me, let me just talk to you guys for a second. Like, I, I, I understand why you're tired. Like, I get it. I get why you're so tired. Because you work and you grind and you, and you, uh, and you strive and you struggle and you run and you strain. But to what end? That you guys are spinning your wheels trying to get traction, but it's just not there. Because, because you, you don't know what the end is. If I can, uh, if I can be kind of real, that the reality is that none of us can truly ever rest. None of us, not me, not Ben, not any on the worship team, not anybody in here in this room, not anybody ever can truly rest without Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that assurance of salvation this morning, please hear me say that there is good news. 
there's good news because we have Jesus Christ, that he's made himself available to us today. Um, I want to read his, he has an invitation um, that honestly I'm, I'm very much comforted by um, because it's not just for the non-believer, it's for the believers, for the people who have forgot, who, who have known what rest is and known the power of resting in, in Jesus Christ but have forgotten what it is. Let me go ahead and read. It's um, Matthew 11, verse uh, 28. This is coming from the words of Jesus himself. This is, this is Jesus' words, not mine. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, heavy burden, and I will give you rest. The rest that God is illustrating through the author of Hebrews in this Hebrews 4 verses 1 through 11 is the exact same invitation that Jesus invites us all into today. But the reality, but this is something I don't want to miss. So don't miss, don't miss me, hear, hear me say this. We don't come to Jesus just because he can give us rest. We come to Jesus because of who he is. He doesn't say, he does, his invitation doesn't sound like, hey, come to me, I got rest, here you go, you can go on your way. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus is the object of our rest. And that, if Jesus' invitation to rest isn't in just the rest itself, but it's in himself, then Jesus is the object of our rest. How then do we rest? If we have this idea of what rest is, if we have, if we have this idea of like, so we've been tracking with the author, we have this future rest, um, then we have this today rest, and they're intermingled together, and if, and if Jesus is the object of our rest to being able to attain to that rest, then what does it look like to rest? Look at verse 11. The last verse, and this is, a, this is a really cool charge that the author makes to the people, to the believers that he's writing to. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest, that future rest, that rest that's given to us by Jesus, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Rest is, is found in obedience. Um, maybe, I don't know if maybe you've seen this thus far, but the author of Hebrews has, has mentioned it, I think three or, uh, two or three times where he's name dropping the Israelites' disobedience and how they weren't able to enter into the rest because of their disobedience. That the, that the fact that they lacked obedience, they weren't able to attain rest. Rest is found in obedience. Let me, uh, let me go ahead and give you guys, so that's a lot. We now know what rest is. We have an idea of re- what rest is. Now let's talk about what it looks like to have rest. Um, I have three um, kind of uh, handles for y'all, to ha- for y'all to hold on to to kind of practically uh, give you what it looks like to, be, uh, to have restful obedience. Um, my, my first point I want to illustrate um, is um, know God's word. Know God's word. That may seem kind of like, okay, yep, checked, got it. But the reality is that when we know more, 
when we know God's word, when we know more of God's word, we come to know more about God's heart. We come to know more about his promises. We come to know more about what he's already done. And we come to know more about what he's going to do. And we come to know more about the life that he calls us to. Because the world will say that you ought to live this way, but God says, no, 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 I am the creator of the world. I created the systems by which the world is governed. Listen to me. I know how you can have the best life. And so he, we, whenever we know God's word more, we can know that. We can know, we can know him. My, I was talking to my father-in-law last night. Uh, we had the family over, and um, I was talking to my father-in-law. My father-in-law is probably the most workplace pastor you could probably ever imagine. He just anytime, he, he remembers every sermon illustration. He remembers every point. He remembers how the, how the, like the pastor, the preacher, like said a certain point. And he like, will just like shift into a gear. Like as I'm talking to him, like in the kitchen, he's like doing dishes and he'll be like, Hey, Hey, God, you know, and he'll like get into like a preachy mode. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm convicted. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Like I'm doing dishes. Why am I feeling convicted? Um, but I was talking to him last night and, um, he, he really made this, he helped me understand this maybe in a different way. And he said, you have to know him to love him. And to love him means to obey him. You love him, you know him, you love him, you obey him. And you can't first obey him without loving him and you can't first love him without knowing him. Because whenever we, for whenever we know God, we can love God. And whenever we love God, we, will, we want to obey God. Because we come to know that what he's saying is true. And we, we know that his heart for us is not to put us in a box and follow a bunch of rules. And we know that he's a father that knows what's best for his children. And that our, uh, our, our I have to's turn to I get to's. Then whenever we're reading word and it gives us something that we need to do or we need to walk out or something we need to believe or we need to change in our life, we don't just cross our arms and be like, I have to do this. Okay, God. Like, no, we say, I get to. God, thank you for showing me that I get to follow your word. It's a, be- it's, it's a beautiful thing because our heart begins to change because ultimately when we know more about God through his word, the more we can rest in him and who he is. Um, my second point is this. Um, know your limitations. We all have limits. We all have, um, our, we all have an E um, on our gas tank. Um, and I don't think you need me to tell y'all this because I went to Tarleton State University, so TSU, um, and a lot of y'all go to TCU, um, and y'all are way more high achieving than we are at Tarleton. I love Tarleton. Tarleton's awesome. Tarleton has, yeah, Scholactics are a principle that we believe in, yeah. But like, y'all are so high achieving, it like stresses me out. And I'm like graduated. I graduated in 2016. Like, um, like my seminary work is not as hard as y'all make out your work to be. Um, and so I don't need to tell y'all that burnout is a real thing because y'all feel it day in and day out, that y'all, y'all go through, we, I mean, not y'all, I do too, 
we all go through this cycle where we work and we work and we work and we work. We don't eat well. We don't sleep well. We work. We stay up late. We wake up early. We work out and we just nosedive. We knowingly nosedive ourselves into the ground to where what happens next? We get sick and we literally have to be bedridden for two, three days to where we can recuperate to then go back and to go back to work and go back to school to then do what? Do it all over again. But like, what, what does that look like spiritually though? Because I think oftentimes it's the exact same thing. We get caught up in what's going on here around us. We get caught up in our work and our uh, fraternity or sorority or, you know, any extracurriculars that we do or this test or this work or this internship and our friend group and all this stuff. And we get so caught up in this that, that our hearts begin to kind of do this and we start to just get worn out and worn out and worn out. And then we hit rock bottom and we look up and we see I've strayed so far away from God. My heart is broken. My heart is hurting. My heart is tired. I thought this is what my heart needed, but it wasn't. I, th- I thought this is what I was supposed to have, but it wasn't. And our hearts get tired and our hearts begin to hurt. But there are limitations. That's, that's because we need to know what our limitations are. To stop from feeding this unhealthy lifestyle that we continue to feed. That we, that we need to guard ourselves with boundaries so that we don't, I mean, uh, Proverbs 4.23 talks about how our heart is, a, is the wellspring of life through which we do all things. And we need to guard that. We need, the scripture talks about us guarding our hearts so that we don't continue to fall into the trap of busyness. Know your limitations because knowing your limitations is obedience. Because in this, this is, ties into the third application point and it's that we need to know our need for Jesus. The moment we think we can do it ourselves is the moment that we have been fooled. The moment we think that we can do life, that we can think, that we can feel, that we can operate and function and work without Jesus and we can rest without Jesus is the moment that we have been fooled because we can't. It's not possible. You may think you're getting rest, but are you truly? That we need, there's such a, hear me say this, there's such a liberating feeling knowing that we don't have to control everything in our lives, that not everything falls onto our shoulders that has to be done or has to, has to happen, that we can, take, we can take our hands off the wheel and say, God, I trust you. And it's such a liberating feeling to know that I don't have to have everything under control. I don't have to do this. I don't have to be successful. I don't have to do this, that, or the other to be something else, to whatever your end is, but that we can say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I, I, I don't want it. Like, and, and tying back to our first point, we don't have to do it alone. That our, our hearts say that, man, I have to do this alone. Or like, oh, I have to do that. No, 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 no. Hear, hear this. 
that we get to do it with Jesus, that we don't have to do it by ourselves, that we get to actually do it with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I want to go ahead and finish up um, our time this morning um, by reading a, a really cool, um, it's, it's kind of a staple uh, in the Christian life, but uh, Psalm 23, I think, is uh, a really sweet passage that um, I just want to read to you guys, and more selfishly to myself, um, because I need to hear this. So this is uh, David, this is, this is David, what the author had quoted earlier, and this is what he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will no fear no I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you can anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me go and pray. Father, we look to you to being the person who is the author and creator and designer of rest. God, we see what you have done in creation and we see that your ways are much higher and better than our own. And God, we are done trying to do it ourselves. God, we say we don't want to do this by ourselves, but God, we need you and we want to rest in you. And God, we don't want to keep doing this ourselves. Because God, we know that you are a God that loves us and we know that you're a God who has who's moved heaven and earth to save us, to save us from our sins so that we can have a right relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. So God, may we have a rest today knowing that our future and our eternity is secured by your son. And that, that the same son that says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. May we take you up on that invitation today. May we know your rest. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.